was chosen by God. Jeremiah 1 verse 5. God said, before you were born to Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you or I chose you. And then he specifically referred to him, to, to his calling. He says, I called you as a prophet to the nations. And yet God chose this young man as the king of Israel. Can you, can you just look with me? At the scenario. He's looking for his father's donkeys. He's frustrated. He cannot find the donkeys. And, and I believe that God orchestrated for him to meet with Samuel. And sometimes... You know, you do something and you become frustrated but because you, you just cannot find what you're looking for. But then God is in it. And then God said to Samuel, you see that young man looking for his donkeys? I've chosen him. And sometimes we, 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 want, to, we want the center stage we want to be on the stage. We want to preach, but we don't want to do those menial tasks like cleaning the toilets, serving. Because when you serve, that is when God sees your heart. In verse 21, it says, Saul answered him, But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel, and is not my clan the least of the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? I'm, I'm just an insignificant person. Echas Nux. Moenie my worry met die goed as jy, ek soek vir my paas en donkies. It's like, your father sent you out to look for your dog. Die hond het weggehaaloop. En nou kom die man vir my sê, ek gaan die president wees van die, van Suid-Afrika. He says, I'm insignificant. Reminds me of, of, of Gideon, in Judges 6 verse 15, is when the angel ap appeared to him, the angel says, mighty warrior. And, and, and for Gideon, this was a surprise because he, he, he was hiding from the enemy. He said to the angel, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. 
and I am the least in my family, Ekas Nuts. And that is what God is looking for today. Not the big names. Not where you live. By the way, it's not where you live, it's who you are. And you might say to the Lord, my, my ekas van, wherever. I don't have an education. And, and listen, I, I, I encourage you to get all the education. But you know, God looks on the heart. Isaiah 49, it says, verse 1, Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my birth, he has made mention of my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. It may God's end time heroes. At this stage, they are hidden for a purpose. And they're going to come from unexpected places. They are the nameless, faceless generation. Isaiah 49 verse 21 says, Then you will say in your heart, Who bore these? Who's your daddy? I was bereaved and barren. I was exiled and rejected. Who brought this up? I was left all alone. But these, where they come from, I'll tell you where they come from. Mitchell Splain. Tafelzer. Lost City. Bontivel. Say to your neighbor, that's me. You see, sometimes we think God cannot use us. I'm just a person looking for my father's donkeys. But God in this hour is using insignificant people. Saul's calling. The second thing I want us to look at this morning is Saul's coronation. Look at chapter 10. Of First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 10. Verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader of his inheritance? Few things here about Saul's coronation. He was anointed. By Samuel.
in Second Samuel, sorry, Second Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, stir up the gift that is within you through the laying on of my hands. And then in 1 Timothy 4.14, he says the same thing. When, when the elders laid their hands over him, 1 Timothy 4.14, but, not, but neglect not your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. You know, there, there's something about the ministry. Some people went and they go without the elders laying hands upon them, prophesying upon them, anointing them. And some are sent. I want you to catch this this morning. Because the thing about people who are rebellious, they would come to the senior minister or to the elders and they would say, my season is over. Your season is only over when the fat lady sings. Good, is a joke. You're, there's, there's, not, there, there's no such thing as your season is over. You wait till your father sends you. You never come to the leader of the church and say, well, my, my tate is no Isa. You need to, you need to be sent. You need to be anointed and then released by the leaders of the house. But when you come and say, my season is over, that's a rebellion. Show me one person that did that who is succeeding. No one. There are principles in the word of God. And this man, he was out in the field. It wasn't a coronation service. He was just out in the field when the prophet saw him and anointed him. Verse 5 of chapter 10. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God, where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres, tambourines, flutes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power. And you will prophesy with them. And you will be changed into a different person. His calling was confirmed by the prophets. You see, you, you cannot just wake up one morning and say, well, God called me. No, no, no. It must be confirmed by the ministry. 
Right now, God is restoring apostles back to the church. Amal is no apostles. You have to stay in your lane. You cannot move from an evangelist to a pastor or a pastor to a disaster. Stay in your lane. If God called you as a teacher, stay in your lane. Don't move out of your lane. I met a minister in the, in the gym. He said to me, Apostle, if God used you to witness to people in high places, does that make you an apostle? I said, no, brother, everyone must witness. A couple of weeks later, I had everybody calling him apostle. Jesus writes, sorry, Jesus speaks to John on the island of Patmos. And he says this about the Ephesian church in Revelation 2 verse 2. He says, this is what I have in your favor. You have tested those who claim to be apostles, and you proved that they were false. And you know, Peter, I, I, I strongly believe that we, we need to start testing. Inige ook kom van nog een country, dan sê, I'm a bishop or I'm an apostle, dan roep ons ook voor een apostle. That's why we do believe in the relationships. Because inige ook kan kom. Confirmed by the prophets. And in verse 6 it says, Look what Samuel says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power and you will prophesy. Spoken by Samuel. You see, the anointing changes you because it says here, and you will be changed into a different person. When the anointing comes upon you, you're going to be changed into a different person. You're not going to be the same. When you read from verse 15, Saul's uncle said to him, tell me what, what Samuel said to you. Saul replied, he assured us that the donkeys had been found. But he did not tell his uncle what Samuel had said about the kingship. Now remember, Samuel was the prophet of the day. And Samuel said to him, you're going to be the next king. You are the next king. Now, they found the donkeys. And, and his uncle approached him. And said, look, the donkeys is found. Don't worry. Now, if it was anyone else, you would have said, man, Samuel came to me. The man van God. And you know what he said? I'm going to be the king. But he kept it to himself. You know what this says about Saul? He was humble. Verse 27. 
But some troublemakers said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts. But Saul kept silent. <coughs> Sometimes we just need to keep quiet. Don't go and shout on the rooftops. You know, when the angel appeared to Mary, the Bible says she pondered these things in her heart. So it's still hope. In other words, let your character and your testimony speak for you. Now, it's amazing. When we look at Saul's coronation, it wasn't like royalty. You know, when, when, when the king or queen of any country is coronated, there's, there's a procession. It's a whole day event. But this took place in the background while he was looking for his father's donkeys. He didn't have a, a maze in his hand with a cap on his head. You know, when you go into Africa, you find all kinds of stuff happening. The third thing I want us to look at is Saul's character afterwards. Chapter 15. Let's look at verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I'm grieved that I've made Saul king. Because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. You see, sometimes when God starts using us, the flesh creeps in. Then we don't depend on the anointing anymore. Then we start using all kinds of cliches. We don't pray anymore. I call it the treadmill anointing. He started honoring himself. He set up a monument. So that people could honor him. In verse 17, Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. You see, some Christians just cannot handle leadership. They can't. And when God raised them, they forget where they came from. 
We adopted a, a, a boy when he was 10 years old. He's now 35 years old. And I often have to say to him, you must let people know where you came from. It's not a shame to say that, that you slept on the streets. You need to let people know that, that you were an alcoholic. You were a drug addict. And some people, when they step into leadership, then all of a sudden, they are changed. Danville and, uh, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the poshest area can win. I can't raise my children in Mitchell's plane. You hear that story? This liquor in the plane. This date liquor in the plane now. And you hear all kinds of stories. Oh, you know, God, God has elevated me. The Bible says how Jesus left heaven and made himself, made himself a servant. The God of all creation made himself a servant. He went on his knees, this is God, and he washed his disciples' feet. But sometimes we want to be elevated. And Eliseyuk, you know, I don't mix with the people in the congregation because familiarity breeds contempt. Ik praat nog goed is wat bij onze kerk gebeur. En hy sê things like, jy kan nie met, jy kan nie kom bid oor enige iets nie, morgen met die hele wereld. Daar by onze kerk sê hulle die goed. Some Christians just cannot handle it. James says, humble yourselves. Don't ask God to humble you. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Just walk in humility. Verse 22 says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in birth offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Ons gaan een klom weke doen vir die Heere, but just obey God. Just walk in obedience. That's it. If God says do something, do it. Just do it. In verse 24, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. That's a problem sometimes. We become people pleasers. And you know, pastors, sometimes we, we don't want to let the people go because that same people want to control the pastor. 
Don't be people pleasers. At first, he was such a humble man. But the position caused him to become a different person. And God was displeased with him. I'm reminded of another character in the New Testament, Judas. Some people say, no, God chose him to do what he had to do. No, God didn't choose him to be a traitor. God chose him because he was God's son. He was called by God to be an apostle. Matthew 10, verse 1 to 2. He was called by God to be an apostle. He wasn't called by the church. He wasn't called by man. He was called by God. Judas. When you read chapter, Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says he preached the gospel. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. But his weakness was greed. He went to the, the, the temple leaders and he says, what will you give me if I Betray him. Money. Spirit of mammon. Which leads us to number four. Saul's decline. Chapter 18. 1 Samuel 18. In the meantime, David became king. First Samuel 18, verse 5. Whatever Saul, whatever Saul sent him to do, now remember David was called when the Spirit tormented King Saul. And so whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it successfully. That Saul gave him a high rank in the army. Now Saul knew that this guy was called to be the king. But he gave him a position. And I want to say this, Pastor, you know, a lot of pastors that's a, that I know, to keep the people, they give him positions. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and singing and dancing with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. Here is when things went wrong for Saul. 
You see, when another brother is elevated in the church, dan voel ons. Nee, maar ek moet die position gekry het. Ek kan ook maar spreek so hy spreek. I can also dance like she dance. I can also sing like he can sing. I can also lead worship. Verse 8. Saul was very angry. This refrain called him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get of the kingdom? Anger. He was wooden. Verse 9. And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Jealousy. The next day, I want you to catch this. When you become jealous, when you become angry, the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. Now that's a controversial verse where it says the evil spirit came from God. It simply means all spirits belong to God. Verse 24. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, the king wants to no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistines' foreskins. In other words, he sent David out, hoping that David would get killed. Murder. Let me just read some of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. And I'm going to close. Galatians 5. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, that's disunity, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. This was Saul's decline. Ephesians 4, verse 27. Very important verse. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. How do you do it? You has been stealing, must steal no longer. Do not let unwholesome 
talk come out of your mouths? The works of the flesh. About two months ago, a close family member came to my house. His wife brought him. It was one night. Now, prior to that night, his wife took him in the early hours of the morning to a hospital because this thing was choking him. He almost died. And then it happened again. And his wife thought, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to the hospital. She's going to bring him to me. I was sitting in the corner of my lounge as they opened the door. He turned to me. His eyes were big, panicking. And he fell into my arms and this thing left him. What happened? He gave the devil a foothold. He was living in unforgiveness. And when you live in unforgiveness, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, you give the devil a foothold to come in. This demon was going to kill him. And like Saul, this was Saul's decline. You see, even though he knew that David was the next king, and instead of just abdicating and saying, you come on board, I'll step down, The Bible says he became angry. He was bitter. He was jealous. He planned David's murder. And that's why this evil spirit came upon him. This close relative of mine is now serving God. Completely delivered. But you have to confess. Let's pray. If you have a problem in your life, could be jealousy, could be hatred, could be unforgiveness. Could be idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, fits of rage, envy. If this is your problem, God will set you free. Now, not tomorrow. He will set you free now. And as I gebed nodig het, I can for him to come. And as I van ochtend is, en ik ken nie die Heere nie, 
en ik kan net niet vorderen in die leven nie. En hy sê vir my, bid vir my, ek wil die Heere aanneem, ek kan net staan. If you hear this morning and you don't know the Lord, because without the Lord, you cannot have the victory. You can stand with me and we're going to pray for you. When we deal with these things this morning, when we deal with it, God is going to give you the victory. God is going to give you the victory. I had a fierce hatred as a young man for whites. Fierce hatred. And my life went downhill. But when I gave my life to Jesus and I confessed, God set me free. Some people say, ek sal jou vergewe, maar ek kan nie vergeet nie. No, you forget. Don't let this moment pass you by. God wants to deliver you this morning. We're going to pray for you right now. We're going to pray for you. Sometimes it's so deep, it's so deep you've been in. But we want a victory for you this morning. God wants to set you free. And as a teenager, you cannot move on to adulthood. You cannot. You cannot. Unless we deal with it this morning. Peter and Josephine, can you pray with us? Here?